Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here in the studio today with Amy Ozdan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hi, Amy. We have no Andrea this week. She's out. I'm going to say she's out on assignment. I'm going to sound like really official. I don't know what she's doing. (laughs) Pretend she's out on assignment because she's a real journalist. Um, This week on the show, we are going to have a special guest since we don't have Andrea. We have Sandy Chen, who is the senior reviewer at Common Sense Media. And I feel like this might be the third time she's officially a friend of the show. (laughs) She's a friend of the show. You can hear her on the phone. Those are laughing. We're going to talk about summer book reading for your tween and teen. And we might do a little bit of the younger ones. We're going to talk about how to get your kids to read over the summer and actually be excited to read over the summer, which is a whole other dilemma. Um, So let's jump right in and say hi to Sandy. Hi, Sandy. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having me back. Oh, thanks for coming back. Can I just say that I love these episodes because what you recommend is just what I buy and send with my kids to camp. Mm-hmm. Like, done. You've 100%. done my shopping for me. That's so yeah, funny. I'm always happy to help you shop, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big job. She's in a better. Um, so, Sandy, I should say, too, like, you're, you're, you've been with Common Sense Media for, you said, 10 years, which is, like, crazy on so many levels. Um but also you have Teen Lit Rocks, Teen, yeah, Teen Lit Rocks, right? That's the yeah. site I send like everyone to. Um, oh, that's so sweet. Well, I think it gets really hard when your kids get older because they, A, may not want to take any recommendations that you have. <laughs> um, but B, I think parents don't really know all of the great literature that's out there for their tween and teen. And increasingly right adults are reading these books too there there's this delineation has become very fuzzy um absolutely and i think a lot of people don't realize that a there's no shame in reading young adults uh young adult books as an adult and that the majority of readers and buyers of young adult books are actually adult women so let's get over the fact that you are reading about someone who's younger than you, but that's always been the case, and there's really nothing wrong with that. And it's a lot of fun to read what your teens are reading. So I'm a big proponent of co-reading. There used to be co-viewing when they were little, and now we sort of do co-reading, which means I'm not necessarily reading out loud to my kids, but we are reading the same books and having sort of our own little book clubs about those books. Hmm. That's a great idea. And I think, you know, we'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't sort of mention um, 13 Reasons Why, I think, at the top of this conversation in terms of that, in terms of the co-reading. I think a lot of parents were totally taken off guard by the success of the TV show and didn't realize it was a book um, and then found out later that many other children had already read the book, <laughs> maybe right. a year or two before. And um, it was really interesting to me that that happened that it didn't occur to people that it was a book first or that they hadn't realized their kids had read it because I felt like it really swept through the YA um, you know community in a big way when it came out Um, and this obviously just exploded I think in a way bigger way but there are probably a lot of reasons to co-read with your kids and that is certainly one of them because a lot of YA books tackle some really difficult issues Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, Jay Asher's book, I mean, it's actually been out for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of fortuitous that the show came on Netflix 
during this 10th anniversary push that the publisher was doing. So um, I think it was one of the best adaptations of a young adult novel I've ever seen, uh, whether that's a TV show or a film. But I do think that it blindsided a lot of parents to the point that our public schools all sent a letter home to the middle and high schoolers sort of addressing the issue that it, a, it was on Netflix, so this wasn't a PG-13 movie. There there are a couple of graphic scenes, and they are dealing with things in a very frank manner, which, you know, by the time most parents knew about it, their kids had already seen it, so there's that. But, but also, I think that parents shouldn't be afraid of the show or of the book. It really is such a great conversation starter about issues that we're all probably uncomfortable talking to our teens, or at least many of us are uncomfortable talking to our teens about this Um and I think it's such a, a good thing, again, not for mothers and fathers to sort of sit with their teenager in between them on the couch and watch because that might be too much. <laughs> but for, you know, we saw it on Netflix at the same time that our, that our kids were watching it. And it really helped us have these conversations about, uh, about suicide and depression, about social media and the insidious nature of gossip and about slut shaming and Mm -hmm. all of those things that came out of seeing it and reading it uh, I think were important conversations so I do feel like I defend the show more you know more often than not because it really depends on the kid obviously and um, you know you you have to know your own children but I think it was a, a wonderful adaptation. Yeah, I thought so, too. I thought it was too long. That was my big complaint, is that they tried to make it that Pat 13 episode for 13. I was like, really? I could, to me, it could have been six. I could have gotten through each side of the tape in a half hour. Um, right, right. <laughs> it was a little long, so I think they had to drag it out and add a lot of um, extra story. Sure. But what I actually appreciated about that is that compared to the book, they really fleshed out the parents. And I thought it was one of the best things my kids could see is that impact of what it does to parents. Um, you know, I don't think that's ever really thought about when you're a teenager in general, <laughs> how <and> things impact <laughs> your parents. But I thought it was a really good perspective to see that's really not in the book. Um, Absolutely. And, and yeah. most parents are, are absent in many YA books, and it's a common mm-hmm. complaint I have that a lot of YA is about only children and the parents are just absent or just checked out or some sometimes adversarial. So I'm always appreciative of a, of a story that shows parents who've had meaningful relationships with their children because I think that's what most of us strive to do um, but are not completely adversarial and, and antagonistic. So I appreciated that as well and I thought that the actors who played the parents did, did a good job of playing that grief and that sort of sense of, you know, I mean, she looked like a zombie half the time yeah. when you were Kate Walsh. Yeah, it was. It's. I mean, it's definitely worth Wi-Fi. I was in the same position you were in. I was like defending it all the time and half the time to people who hadn't watched it, um, which is just so annoying to me because I just feel like you know you sort of jump on that bandwagon of being alarmist Um, well I saw one woman write uh, in an article that after much internal debate she had finally decided to let her 16 year old watch it and I'm thinking like do you think your 16 year old is waiting for your permission (laughs) to watch watch something on Netflix like you need to know that they're go ahead no, I was going to say, there's a really big difference between them. I could understand if she had a 12-year-old right, or exactly. a 15-year-old, but a 16-year-old, at that point, I would be, again, I would be very surprised that she was, like, waiting for mom to say, yes, you can go into the kids' section and watch it. Right, like, oh, you man. need to assume that they're watching it and open up channels of communication and be there. 
Right. Or their friends are watching it on the bus or yeah. that, like that's the other thing, right? So many kids, like my daughter told me that everyone was binge watching Kimmy Schmidt on the bus to school as soon as it came out <laughs> last week. It yeah, I like... hope everyone has the unlimited data plan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's all I thought. I'm like, there's no Wi-Fi on that bus. So I was like, what's that's going right. on? Is Kimmy Schmidt yeah. one of the ones that you can download to your phone? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Make and, sure I and do you that could for do, the subway. And 13 Reasons Why you could too, because we... Um, we actually all watched it together, but at different times, like sort of all watching uh-huh. it, but on our own devices on a giant, when we had our giant plane trip to Japan, we were all watching. Nice. It was not good. None of, no one slept. Um, <laughs> so anyway, let's jump in because maybe parents should know about what the next 13 Reasons Why is going to be <laughs> um, on your picks for this summer. Sure. And I always try to pick a mix of new books and also obviously books that have been out for a little while so that you have a choice. And one of the places that I will start because the adaptation just came out a couple of weeks ago is with Nicola Yoon's books. Um, So one is called Everything, Everything, and that was just made into a Mm -hmm. film with Amon Lestenberg, who had been in The Hunger Games, and also the very adorable Nick Robinson, who is in also another, I mean, once they're in one of these, I feel like they just keep getting cast in various (laughs) adaptations, but he's also in Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, which will come out next year, which is, all of those are very good books. Um, Everything, Everything. Uh, in case you haven't read it or seen it, is about um, a an, an 17, soon to be 18 year old who has a severe immune deficiency that requires her to almost be like the girl in the bubble. So she's kept in her house and she does, you know, online homeschooling. And the only people that she interacts with on a regular basis are her mother, who's a physician, her home nurse. Carla and her home nurse's daughter. Otherwise, she basically never leaves the house unless it's to go to the hospital. And in next door moves in this this boy who looks up at her, and it's like immediately she's like, oh my gosh, there's a cute boy next door. But she doesn't think anything's going to happen because, of course, she can't leave the house. And he does parkour, and he manages to sort of kind of climb up to her window, and they start communicating via text because she, um, she, he gives her her phone number. And once they're communicating, it's this really sweet love story uh, that you think is against the odds because she can't leave the house, he can't go in the house. And then Carla, the nurse, sort of is sort of like the nurse in Romeo and Juliet, where she sort of facilitates an interaction. And it's definitely a love story, so it's probably going to appeal more to girls than to boys. But I think he's a great character, and he's a he's a good guy in YA, uh, and he's he's a very good boyfriend. So, um, so that book I highly recommend, and I highly recommend her second book, which was. Uh, one of the National Book Award finalists, and that is called The Sun is Also a Star. Mm -hmm. And that is set completely in New York City. And it's sort of one of those before sunrise type stories where it all occurs in one massive day of this boy and this girl meeting. And what I love about the story is that Nicola is Caribbean and her husband is Korean. I mean, they're both American. But that is what the characters are as well. She is a Jamaican girl whose parents are, whose family is about to be deported. And she's gone into the city from, I believe, Queens to try and see if there's kind of this Hail Mary pass that she can affect to try to get them to stay. And he is Korean and he's going into the city to have his 
Ivy League alumni interview, but they end up having this meet cute, and she is the one who is very resistant, like, why is this boy flirting with me? But they end up spending this whole day together and really getting to know each other, and it is just a delightful book, and that, I believe, has also been optioned, so that will probably head to the big screen in the future. But those are two by Nicola Yoon that I highly recommend. I don't know if either of you are aware of those books. No. no, everything, everything I knew just because the movie just came out. Yeah, so I saw a preview for that. My daughter's just like filled me in on the ending. That's all they, they like to do. They just like to <laughs> ruin like, things for yes, you. Yes, they like to ruin things for me and then tell me why that's just a very unsatisfactory ending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, now you just ruined, oh, the, ruined the whole no, story yes, for me. Exactly. <laughs> I, try, I try to tell my kids, don't spoil things for people, but mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't work. And so, you know, and of course, we have to get in something for boys. Boys still like to read. And I, one of the things that my son really likes to read are comics and graphic novels. And one of the new ones this year that he he and my daughter really like is called Spill Zone. And that is by a novelist, Scott Westerfeld, who's sort of for the first time doing the, you know, the words and the story for a graphic novel. And that's got a really kick-ass female heroine. And it's about a girl and her younger sister who live in the housing development that's basically empty except for them. Uh, right next to a spill zone. And inside of the spill zone are, are basically, she calls them meat puppets, but it's basically mm. filled with zombies. <laughs> and she makes her money by riding her motorcycle through all of these checkpoints um, stealthily and takes pictures. But she doesn't take pictures of the people because she, she has very strong rules about what she'll take pictures of. But she's able to sell those pictures sort of in this black market way to 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 keep supporting her and her younger sister who's mute because her little sister was one of the younger kids who was sort of sort of saw what was happening but survived so it is creepy but so well done it's a thriller and i think it's the kind of graphic novel that would appeal to boys and girls cool all right. And I could keep going yeah. for a really long time. <laughs> so then, uh, the Give next book that I recommend that I think has great appeal for everyone is called Defy the Stars by Claudia Gray. And it's sort of this alien meets Battlestar Galactica type story set in a distant future once Earth has been ravaged. And what is happening is that there is a girl um, who comes from a colony that has closed itself off to anyone from Earth, anybody else coming. So it's very pure, and it wants to stay that way. But the, the, the Earthlings don't want to live in this kind of Wally-esque kind of horrible place, so they're trying to have this big intergalactic fight to try to get more people to live in more sustainable you know, sort of space colonies. She ends up um, during this one recon mission for this big thing that they're calling the Masada Run, which I, I guess you can infer means that it's going to be this big suicide mission in the future uh, to try to keep Earth from getting to their space colony. She ends up on the spaceship where there has been an AI who has been kind of in blackout mode for 30 years but he finally comes to life and is interacting with another human so he has to be loyal to her because she's the commanding human in his presence but um, together and he's really beautiful but it's it's funny because their interactions are kind of hilarious and reminded me of sort of like Michael Fassbender in the new Alien pre- you know, prequels mm-hmm. where he's beautiful to look at but he says things in this very matter of fact way because he is you know AI and and it, so it's a space adventure. It's also got a little bit of romance, 
and also makes you think about, you know, what does it mean to be human? Um, you know, what, what, what does it mean to be an immigrant? What does it mean to want a better life for yourself? And there's lots of battles and lots of the, the two of them kind of having, having to go from place to place and outsmart everybody. So that, that is a really cool. fun book, and it's the first in a series. I don't know how many there are going to be, but that one was one of those that I started, and I don't think I put it down until I, I closed the book, and, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I spent several hours reading <laughs> cover to cover. That's cool. Uh, and then another really fun book, which is, again, mostly for girls, but I thought it was adorable, is called Geekarella by Ashley Poston, and that's just a Cinderella remake in a sci-fi fandom. And again, just, you know, an adorable, quick read, uh, really good for, for girls in middle school that you can, that girls also in high school could relate to. And I think we're seeing more books in YA that have to do with fandom. I don't know if you guys read Fangirl that came out a few years ago by Rainbow Rowell. And, uh, you know, we're just seeing more of that sort of appreciated in young adult literature, which is that there are a lot of kids who write fan fiction who are very obsessed with, you know, their favorite shows or books or, um, you know, movies. And I think we're seeing that more and more in YA plot lines. That's so interesting. Do you have any nonfiction recommendations? So I always recommend that people read, if they, you know, like I Am Malala, which I think I talk about every year when I come mm-hmm. on the show, mm-hmm. just because I think that is one of those books that you really want, whether it's a boy or a girl or a teenager or an adult, to read about her story. Um, another one that has uh, been getting a lot of buzz and that my daughter read, but I didn't, but she really enjoyed it, was Girling Up, um, which I believe is by Mayim Bialik, which I always think of as just being you know, Blossom, but she's a super smart woman, and right. I believe she has her PhD, and uh, Dina really enjoyed that book. So that's another one that I would recommend for for boys who are really, or just anyone who's really interested in history. Um, there is an author named Steve Scheinkin, and all of his books have won awards. I mean, he really cannot write a book that does not get an award. He's <laughs> the Meryl Streep of the nonfiction award world. Um, also, there's March, which finally finished its three-book cycle, and that is the story of John Lewis. And it's in gra- uh. so it is both nonfiction and a graphic novel. It has won pretty much every literary award that exists for children's and teen lit. Also, obviously, he won the Coretta Scott King Award. So that is, now you can get it as a box set, and I highly recommend doing it that way because then you, you see everything from him as a child preaching to the chickens to getting involved <laughs> in the civil rights campaign um, to becoming a politician. So I think that that is one of my favorite nonfiction and graphic novels that have come out in the past few years. So let's talk a little bit about getting your kids to read you know some people have it easy that's what their kids do they pick up a book they're happy but increasingly um you know kids want to be on their devices doing anything but reading or you they're pretending they're reading um or they have a lot of some work from their school over the summer they have a summer reading list they have to plod through um sometimes they're good sometimes they're not how do you get your kids to sort of find the joy in reading again, um, particularly over the summer when they have the time to do it? So one of the things that I encourage parents to do is to stop being traditionalists when it comes to print and format. So for me, I don't care if a kid is reading via audiobook, and I highly recommend over the summer 
there's a site called Audio Sync that they basically will give you two free audio books every month for, uh, you know, every week for the entire summer. And I can make sure that you guys get that link on your Facebook pages because it's so valuable. You just put in your email address. They don't do anything with it except send, you know, send you the download. So if you have overdrive on as an mm-hmm. app, then it'll just get downloaded and you can listen to that. It's yours then. Um, and they do two books, one that is more contemporary and one that might be a classic that might be a good read along, which I just love how they do that. Um, so, I love audiobooks, particularly for busy kids who are going, you know, they might be going to swim practices or they're going to camp and they can only listen, you know, late at night or whatever. I love audiobooks. And I, one of my favorite ways to read nowadays is I have the print copy and I have the audiobook and I switch. So I basically don't have to stop reading when I get in the car. Hmm. And so that is something that I think is really helping my kids is that one of my kids loves audiobooks and could listen to audiobooks nonstop. The other kid prefers to go back and forth. Um, also comics and graphic novels. I do think we're finally seeing them and appreciating them in the correct way, but I think there used to be a time when parents didn't think of that as actually reading. No, your children are reading. It's just a different format, and there are wonderful graphic novelists. There are awards for graphic novelists. If you want a list, I'm sure that any librarian worth her salt will tell you about good graphic novels and comics. So I think sort of seeing them read in different ways, it can be the newspaper, if you still get the newspaper. So for me, it's not so much that they're sitting and reading the great American novel. No, that's going to be part of their summer reading list from school. It's that they're reading anything. And one thing that we also do is, I mean, not every family wants to do a hokey kind of family book club, but we do a book club where we're not all reading the same things because my nine-year-old's not going to be able to read the same thing as my 15-year-old, but we all have to be able to talk about something we read that week. And it doesn't have to be the whole book either, but just getting into the habit of all of us modeling that behavior, because it's really hard if you're not a reader then to, to even get your kids excited about reading, mm-hmm. um, but to all come together and talk about something, whether it was a long-form newspaper article or, you know, the New Yorker's great for that, the Atlantic. I mean, I think everyone I know read that piece by Alex Zone about yeah. uh, realizing that his family had had a slave. I mean, that is, that's still reading. And if you have a, a, a young adult and you have a teenager, they can be reading those things too. They can be reading The Atlantic and The New Yorker. So sorry to ramble, but I think there's just various <laughs> ways that you can get around to having your kids read. It just might not be The Count of Monte Cristo or Jane Eyre. Um, it might be something shorter it might be a, a long magazine article, or it might be an audiobook, and I think we need to be open to all of those experiences as counting as reading. And I would also like to recommend Teen Vogue. If you've got a, a girl, get her a subscription to Teen Vogue. I think it's like, what, $5 for a year? It comes out quarterly. Really excellent. Yeah, we just got the new one with Solange on the cover. Ooh. It was awesome. <laughs> it was no, and they have really, good. really smart journalists working there. So yeah. I think that is a really great magazine, and I think they proved themselves during the, during and after the election to be you know filled with really quality journalism, yeah. which I think it's important for our kids to see beyond just the buzzfeeds of the world that there are real journalists, right? not that they're not real journalists, but that there is uh, you know quality work being done in print still, hard hitting stuff being done for teens. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they definitely evolved. Yeah, 
Um, well, thank you so much, Sandy. This was great. We will have links to everything you mentioned, everything we talked about on our mm-hmm. Facebook page and on parentingbites.com so everyone can find it. And if you have any additional resources, feel free, you know, you can just throw them our way and yeah, we'll put them we'll up put too. Them um, and we'll link to, you know, your recent stuff on Common Sense Media because it's always so helpful. And Teen Lit Rocks. Yes. Yeah. And I wrote this piece for Mom 2 site about co-viewing with 13 reasons that I think has been helpful for some of my friends about reasons to to go ahead and watch it and did you do 13 reasons why you should watch it I'm not sure I made it to 13 who knows that would have been the SEO friendly thing to do Um, thank you again for having me this is one of my my highlights about you know of the year in terms of talking about books so thanks again ladies well we love having you thanks so much Sandy All right. bye 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 we will be right back with our bites of the week Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. And we are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what you got? All right, so I've got two. Um, The first is an article on BuzzFeed. Yes, they do have articles. And really well, good ones. They've been doing great journalism. Oh, they do fantastic journalism. Um, but I think most of us, when we see BuzzFeed go through our Facebook feeds, it's, you know, a list. Uh, but they do some really, really great articles. And this one was fascinating. I tend to love getting into the details of things, especially logistical details, because I'm weird. And this article, um, it's titled The Place Where Letters to Hillary Clinton Go. And it's about this guy named Rob Russo who's been taking care of um, her correspondence and her briefing books and things like that for more than 10 years. He started volunteering for her campaign or for her back in, uh, let's say, I think he was a freshman in college and then eventually, you know, went on her staff and still works for her. And they've gotten over 100,000 letters since the election. Wow. Which was more than during the entire 18 months of the campaign. And everyone gets answered. And it's an incredible process. And they talk about other things in the article, too, but just about learning how to because they're you know she can't she can't write the, write them all right you know he and his staff do it um but they do it in her voice and it's checked by her and uh you know some are more personal than others and i thought it was just a really fascinating article about what happens when you get a hundred thousand letters wow. i mean one day they had to send trucks to the post office right to, to get everything um so i thought that was neat and the other one uh, i have a 15 year old son and i'm shocked that we had never introduced him to the far side <laughs> because the far side is exactly his sense of humor oh, what happened to the far side oh, does my, he still I, do it i have no idea we're gonna I'll, I'll look it up i'll try to research and see if he he produces anything now but my husband was cleaning the basement over the weekend and found all of my far side books because of course Hilarious. back when i was my yeah. kids like that's how you consume them if you didn't want to wait each sunday to see it in in the in the newspaper you'd buy a big book of a collection of Gary Larson's cartoons and my son didn't he had no interest like your parents tell you something is awesome <laughs> and, kiss of death. yeah they run the other way but my husband just like made him take a book and said open it to any page so my son did and the look that spread across <laughs> his face after he had read one it's a smile but it was more of a smile like the Grinch right. like, like that kind it's of like wry a, yeah. smile that was and he just 
and recognition probably yeah yeah that like oh my god this guy (laughs) is writing for me um yeah and so then he just like ran upstairs with the book and i was flipping through it this morning and i had forgotten just how fantastic the far side is so we'll we'll link to some books we'll link to some cartoons it was like everything else 80s is coming back why isn't that coming back yeah and (laughs) i i don't know but it was it was such a big part like that was my favorite thing that was my favorite kind of comedy that and mad magazine when i was when i was that age so yeah really yeah like if you like the onion like if you're wondering where those things right came from like we're inspired by yes it evolved (laughs) the daily show i mean all everything really yeah all that satire oh that's awesome i haven't thought about the far side and i hadn't either but we had so many books in the basement that's awesome so my bite is so much um it's completely different there's there was an article about this new boy band in china that's all girls it is an androgynous boy band. <laughs> so it's all girls. Why don't they call it a girl band? Because they're being boys. <laughs> they're being a boy band. <laughs> but they're all girls. And it's like this new androgyny fad in China that's huh. become huge. And so, you know, in in America where they're grappling with like, you know, we're grappling with gender politics and gender identity, but in a very different way. It's more about like... I mean, there's a fluidity to it, but there's also like, I don't want to be defined, but there's also a much more of like recognizing that kids might be trans, younger, whatever. In China, it's like, we're all just going to be nothing. Like, yeah, the same. And then so there was this great article on how this was put together because it's just as manufactured as any other boy band. All of those bands are completely manufactured. And then there was a piece on Vice, which is on HBO. Vice Media did an entire investigative report where this Chinese-American reporter went and basically like followed with them, toured with them, and talked to all their fans. They have yet to release a song. How are they a band? It's so insane. It's like only in China could this happen. (laughs) It is so manufactured. They've built up this crazy fan base without a song without a song and so she says to the these teeny bopper girls at some point like well what <laughs> happens if their song comes out and you don't won't like it and they were like we're gonna love it they were like oh what are you talking God. about like we're gonna love the song and at the end of the vice piece which i don't know how old it is now so i don't know what's happened since they were supposed to perform and the manager like the ceo actually of the group the company that owns the group pulled them because they just really bad and they really not ready still don't have a song they couldn't dance oh they couldn't God. like it was so weird but it's such a cool story my daughters were so into it um they were like what is going on and part of it's because china banned k-pop which is the korean oh. pop groups because they didn't like that it was all these korean bands taking over their chinese mm-hmm. teen culture so this is their attempt to come up with something to fill that k-pop void they forgot to find somebody who could sing and dance like the whole thing like it was kind of cool too because you do think there's such a formula to this but (laughs) that doesn't mean it's going to work right so it's really it's a crazy article we'll have a link to it and hopefully we could probably link to the vice piece because that's even more fascinating it's probably on hbo go right yeah yeah it might be on hbo go it might even be on vice youtube channel so it might be open to people who aren't who don't have hbo but anyway that's my bite i highly recommend it if you have teens or tweens I mean, you That's have crazy. to. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's such a cool story. 
Um, so that is our show for today. Thank you to Sandy out there in the ether for joining us today. <laughs> Thanks, Amy, You're for being here. Next week we'll be back. Actually, I won't be here next week, but right. Andrea will. It's hard getting guest. all three of us in a room. I at know. This point. Well, next week we'll have a dad guest, so it'll be a Father's Day uh, special. Excellent. Which is great. Maybe he'll have some ideas for Father's Day because I think we could all use them. Hmm. I'm out of ideas, so I'm, I'm putting all on you guys next week. My husband didn't get me anything for Mother's Day, so I'm off the hook. It's a uh, wonderful feeling. It is. I know. See, sometimes <laughs> it's just easier. All right. Well, we will link to everything we talked about today on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash parentingbytes. And of course, on parentingbytes.com. You can find us on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, share, and on play.it where you can find Parenting Bites and all the other CBS podcasts. Until next week. Happy parenting. Bye. Bye. Bye.